Thanks, Ian and Laura. Well, it's great to be with you today, Common Ground, uh, all over the city as we're stationed, and uh, maybe you're not a Common Grounder, and so good to have you along in the mix as well. Uh, my name's Bruce, and along with my wife, Natasha, we uh, have the privilege of leading this clan. I love these guys to bits. I'm still trying to wrap my head around the fact that I have a teenager and a soon-to-be second uh, teenager. We also give leadership to the Durbanville congregation, and we just absolutely love that space. It's so great to be here speaking out of 2 Corinthians 1. We're in it for the third week in a row. And uh, if you remember, maybe two weeks ago, uh, Ryan spoke to us about God's incredible abil ability to comfort us in affliction and turn us into the comforters of those around us. Uh, last week, Roger spoke to us about this incredible hope uh, that we can be confident God will deliver us as he works in our lives. And this week I get to speak about this incredible certainty that can secure our souls. I, I, I wanna try to express to you my hope for, this, uh, for today in, uh, in two confessions. Uh, confession number one, I love peanut butter. Now maybe you uh, agree with me, maybe not. I'm one of those guys who believes that peanut butter can make anything better. Uh, give me some ice cream, peanut butter. Milkshake, peanut butter, please. Uh, some sort of cake, hopefully there's peanut butter in there. Fruit salad, I think you'd be pleasantly surprised. If you're on hashtag Team PB, a shout out to you this morning. Second confession is that I uh, really enjoy the TV show Survivor. Been catching up a little bit in the last few weeks. And so imagine my delight when these two things came together. Um, if, you, if you've watched the show, these contestants, uh, they find themselves in this really challenging setup on an island as they are surviving and competing. And um, at one point, one of the contestants uh, spends his in-game currency on this giant jar of peanut butter. And every morning as uh, uh, all the contestants are waking up and they're kind of munching on a little bit uh, of cold, stale rice, he sneaks off down the beach to the place that he's hidden his peanut butter and he kind of giggles in delight as he scoops out a handful of peanut butter and uh, allows it to nourish his body and prepare him for the day. Some silly confessions I know, uh, but my hope this morning is really that God would continue to give us a place to go in these challenging times as we experience, uh, similar to Survivor, just challenging circumstances that we're not quite sure how long they'll go. I believe God's word gives us an incredible place to go, a place to, that doesn't take away all of those realities, but gives us a place to go and to nourish ourselves and, and to bring strength and hope to our bodies. We're gonna read the scripture in a couple of moments, but before we do, just a little bit of context that, that's helpful because Paul speaks specifically about this in the scripture. Um, last week, you may remember, uh, Roger explained to us that uh, the Corinthians are actually, they've developed a bit of an accusation in their hearts against Paul, the guy who started the church and who loves them so dearly. Uh, uh, the, the first accusation last week, what, what was the Corinthians saying? I wonder if this guy's the real deal. He seems to suffer a lot. Surely a leader is supposed to just enjoy uh, all the benefits of life and really live this unobstructed life uh, free of suffering. We looked at that a bit last week. 
There's another accusation that Paul's gonna speak about this week. It's that the Corinthians are feeling a little bit neglected, a little bit let down. They're kind of saying, how come if this guy is our leader, if this guy cares about us, why has he now promised two times to come and visit us under different conditions and then changed his plans at the last minute? Why do we find ourselves uh, without his love and his comfort and his care in this season? They feel disappointed, betrayed, and rejected. And maybe you're feeling some of those things uh, in this season. And uh, I'm gonna ask uh, Maxine and Anton to lead lead us. They come from Greenpoint and they're gonna lead us through 2 Corinthians 1, verses 12 to 24. Over to you, Maxine and Anton. For our boast is this, the testimony of our conscience that we behaved in the world with simplicity and godly sincerity, not by earthly wisdom, but by the grace of God, and supremely so, toward you. We are not writing to you anything other than what you read and understand, and I hope you will fully understand, just as you did partially understand us, that on the day of our Lord Jesus, you will boast of us as we will boast of you. Because I was sure of this, I wanted to come to you first so that you might have a second experience of grace. I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia and come back to you from Macedonia and have you sent me on my way to Judea. Was I vacillating when I wanted to do this? Do I make my plans according to the flesh, ready to say yes, yes, and no, no, at the same time? As surely as God is faithful, our word to you has not been yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Silvanus, Timothy, and I, was not yes and no, but in him it is always yes. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ, and has anointed us, and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. But I call God to witness against me. It was to spare you that I refrained from coming again to Corinth. Not that we lorded over your faith, but we work with you for your joy, for you stand firm in your faith. So there's a whole lot there. I'm hoping that uh, context was helpful to you as Paul expresses himself to this church. My summary statement of what Paul has just said would be something along these lines. Look, I know life sometimes goes in unpredictable, different directions than we all anticipated, but I still wanna do my best to secure you, church, in that which is ultimately certain. And I think he's done this in three ways out of this passage. And I wanna just spend most of my time on these three ways that Paul secures the church in certainty in a very uncertain time. And the first is this. I think as Paul speaks to the Corinthians, he's wanting to assure them that the character of God the Father is certain. The character of God the Father is certain. He says in verse 17, was I vacillating when I wanted to do this? 
Do I make my plans according to the flesh, ready to say yes, yes, and no, no at the same time? As surely as God is faithful, our word to you has not been yes and no. I want you to take a moment to think about a person in your life or maybe a group of people that have made life better in a specific season simply by their presence by your side. Maybe you think of a a group of friends or a best friend. Uh, Maybe there was a mentor or a parent that comes to mind. Someone who just improved uh, the quality of the path, even though the path was maybe not that easy. As I think about that reality, uh, I immediately think about just an incredible privilege, the privilege of being married in in my case. Um, Natasha and I have been married for 15 years. And I remember in the early days uh, of our marriage, in our early 20s, we were on this trajectory of certainty. It's like things were working out and we were making career plans and we were giving things a go and it was working out and, and it kind of felt like this is amazing. The two of us together against the world and uh, just things working out, everything going our way, this is gonna be fantastic. And as the years progressed, as I approached where I currently find myself some of, of these midlife realities, it was interesting just to hit some twists and turns in the road, just some things that didn't go at all the way we saw them going. Some things, uh, some, some unexpected health conditions, just watching loved ones around us go through things that we didn't understand at all. And I remember being quite deflated by this reality, just thinking, man, it felt like life was so certain. It felt like uh, we were just gonna keep at it and we were gonna do our bit and God was gonna do his bit and that was gonna take us where we were trying to go. And yet as I've kind of uh, occupied the space of life, I think the beautiful thing that I've realized is that my hope for our marriage, our our journey together is not so much on where we're going and exactly how we're gonna get there. But my hope is in having this person with me that I know to such a deep degree, who knows me to such a deep degree and kind of there's this incredible uh, security that comes over time knowing no matter what I have this partner by my side and we do this together. And maybe that's not uh, where you're at at all. But but what Paul is saying is he's saying how, even though that's encouraging, I wanna aim you higher today. I want you to think about the reality of your journey and all the conflicting emotions and things you're going through and the surprise that has come your way. And I want you to lift your eyes up and to see that there is a faithful father governing the days of your life. There is a faithful father in heaven who knows the end from the beginning, who's mapping it all out with great intention, with great love and with great care. And Paul says to the Corinthians, I know I made some plans and I changed some plans and some things surprised me, but please don't let your hopes be dashed as you look up and you find a father who knew about all those realities, who knows you to the core of your being and who is loving and leading you faithfully on. Hey, there's many times in life I've just had to kind of say, God, I don't, I don't get this. I don't understand how this is mapping out, but I, I wanna be disciplined to kind of say, your intellect is so much higher than mine. Your perspective is so much better than mine. And, and your concern is so much for my ultimate outcomes, not always the immediate outcomes that I see in front of me. It's a securing 
uh, reality that brings such certainty to our souls as we go, look, man, there's a lot in life that doesn't seem certain, but there is one who is certain, who is leading and loving over it all and through it all. You see, we can have certainty in life because the character of the Father is certain over our lives. The second thing I think Paul is uh, securing the Corinthians and us in, in terms of certainty, is that uh, the promises of God are certain in Jesus Christ, the Son. The promises of God are certain in Jesus Christ, the Son. Look at what he says in verse 19. He says, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Silvanus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but in him it is always yes. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. And that is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. Maybe that amen there is a little bit strange. It kind of means uh, it's an expression that says, yes, that's so good. What God has promised, what God has said, yes, I agree with that. Uh, let it be so, God. It's an interesting concept, this thing of yes and no or always yes. If, I, uh, if you put me through any personality profile, uh, certain consistencies pop out the other side. If uh, you put me through Strength Finder, what you find out is that I'm analytical and deliberative. Uh, that means uh, analytical, that I, that I analyze everything in life and deliberative, uh, meaning that I do it really thoroughly. I think deeply and long about everything. And so... What that means is that I spend most of my life either with a literal spreadsheet in front of me with yes lists and no lists, pros and cons. If it's not in an Excel spreadsheet, it certainly is spinning around in my mind constantly. And uh, you can feel free to pray for me because that's quite a reality in the uncertain world uh, we live in. The truth is we never have simplicity. We never have just one column totally populated and the other empty and decisions are Obvious, everything in life involves some advantages, some disadvantages, pros, cons, yeses, and nos. And maybe you're not analytical and deliberative, but by the nature of life being uncertain, I'm sure you find this all the time. Maybe you're extremely optimistic about life and you just populate that yes column and, and the kind of the no of life uh, comes in and, and surprises you. Suddenly you're in your home going, I've been in my home for 50 days. What just happened? Maybe you're quite cynical about life and you, you kind of populate that no column and uh, life often comes along and delightfully surprises you. Paul is honestly acknowledging that this is the nature of life. There's no way around it. You can only go through it. Life is full of uncertainty. And we see this everywhere. In fact, our culture accentuates it. Um, I, I don't know if you've picked this up, but if you just go back a few decades or a generation or two, what you find is literature and movies are based in an age of certainty. There, there's, there's good and there's evil. And the, the movie or the book is about uh, good overcoming evil in the end. There's goodies and baddies. It's very clear who's goodies and who's baddies. And uh, literature is written from this point of view. But we live in an entirely different age now, don't we? We can't really know. We can't absolutely call something truth. 
and it's everywhere. Uh, I mean, I just look at a show that I know has been quite popular in this lockdown time uh, called Community. Don't know if you've seen it, but there's this character, Jeff Winger. And in the pilot episode, right in the beginning of the show, this is what uh, Jeff says. He's talking to someone on a field and he says, I discovered at a very early age that if I talked long enough, I could make anything right or wrong. So either I'm God or truth is relative. And if you carry on watching the show, you will find this is Jeff's outlook on life. Hey, everything's up for grabs. Uh, Life is kind of about taking your truth and speaking confidently about it uh, to impose your truth uh, over and above the truths of others. We live in this age that's full of this postmodern reality of can we certainly know anything? I was listening to a talk by a futurist. Uh, He works for Singularity University. He's just massively respected in terms uh, of being able to look into the future and obviously a respected voice in this time. And he's about to publish a book and the subtitle of the book is this, Certainty Delusion. The premise is really, don't devastate yourself by assuming there's a whole lot of certainty in life. Make sure to keep yourself flexible. Just realize everything's up for grabs. We can't really be certain about anything. And if you'll do that, then you'll live without things like this current uh, uh, lockdown, this current uh, pandemic coming along and devastating everything you have. And so much of what I've just said is true. But Paul, as he acknowledges the truth of the reality that life is uncertain and it's full of yes and no, he calls the Corinthians to see this. Because of Jesus Christ, there are some things that are absolutely yes There are some things that were settled on the cross by Jesus Christ that are absolutely settled to the degree that they are never no. They are always yes. And it's like he's telling the Corinthians, hey, feel free to question my motives. Feel uh, free to question if I could have made my plans better. But as you question some things, don't question the ultimately important things. Here are the things you can be certain of. And you can imagine a Corinthian kind of going, okay, what is it that I can be certain of? As I think of Jesus Christ on the cross, as I think of what Paul taught us about Jesus' work on the cross, is there a God in heaven who knows my name? Yes. Can I be free of the guilt and shame of the sinfulness of my life? Yes. As I live my life in inconsistency and I let God down at various times, is there grace that can cover that sin on an ongoing basis? Yes. Is there ultimate hope in a God who wraps up all of time and history um, in, in just the way that would be best and most right and most fair? Yes, absolutely there is. And I wanna call us this morning not to turn our eyes away from the fact that the world is full of yes and no, that our life is full of different decisions, that we can often not be ultimately confident that we're always getting right, but to call ourselves towards the bigger yes, that that, that the biggest, most important issues of our lives are settled as a resounding yes in the cross of Jesus Christ and Paul calls these Corinthians and he says, assure yourselves, stand greatly confident, stand greatly certain because of what Jesus Christ has settled forever. I love this um, saying from John Newton. John Newton was a slave trader, came into God's kingdom and uh, he he wrote that hymn, Amazing Grace, that we all know so well. 
But as an old man, John Newton said, although my memory is fading, I remember two things very clearly. I'm a great sinner and Christ is a great saviour. I think John Newton reminds us that although his own life is full of twists and turns and some dark mistakes and some big realities, he reminds us that if we can kind of forget about the things that are forget-worthy and we can remember those things that are memory-worthy, our souls will find certainty in exactly the right place. Maybe you've dialed into uh, this church meeting today and you're not a Christ follower. Maybe you're taking the season of being able to digitally connect or maybe you've been uh, visiting some of our common ground or one of our common ground congregations. And uh, I, I wanna say to you, welcome. It's so good to have you and so glad you're just leaning in and considering what could be true in God's word. And I think uh, I wanna speak to you as someone who's not lived my whole life as a Christ follower. I actually lived a big chunk of my life and uh, not knowing Christ and um, I think one of the things that uh, was quite a surprise, I suppose, in some ways, is that before I was a Christ follower, I had a whole lot of yeses and nos in my life. Uh, and I was working things out. I was making some mistakes. There were some things that were unsure. And, and it would be lovely if I could say, like, now I've become a Christ follower and God has just turned those all into yes. I just know exactly how it all works. Everything I try succeeds. I no longer struggle uh, with, uh, with sins that, that plague me. You know, all the yeses and nos have just become yeses. The truth is, my life is still full of yes and no. <laughs> my strength finder profile is still uh, absolutely true of me. My life has these columns that are forever fluctuating. But what I have in addition to that, over and above that, is a whole lot of things, the ultimately important things of life that have been settled as a resounding yes. And it's like those yeses drown out and show up these other yeses and nos for what they really are, important but secondary matters that pale in comparison to the big questions of life. Maybe you're currently attending our Alpha course and if you're dialing in, I want to encourage you, you're onto a good thing as you have the courage to, with others, just, uh, just ask some of the big questions in life and be willing to honestly reflect on those. And so we can have uh, this amazing certainty because God the Father is certain. We can have this amazing certainty because the work of Jesus Christ on the cross is certain and finished. And the last point I want to make this morning is that we can also have certainty because the future hope and the present power of God is certain because of the Holy Spirit. The future hope and the present power of God is certain because of the Holy Spirit. In verse 21, Paul says, and it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. I wanna come back to the peanut butter. <laughs> you see what Paul is, is saying here is he's not in, encouraging Christians to put certainty in some sort of idea. He's not, he's not asking Christians to kind of speak to themselves and convince themselves and, and just have this kind of faith that says, look, I don't see it, I don't feel it, but I, I, I know it by faith. Paul's speaking about a kind of certainty that actually uh, we feel within our souls. 
He talks of the Holy Spirit, that uh, the Holy Spirit is this kind of the seal that has been put on our life. We've been, we've been sealed off for a future day, a day when He will wipe away every tear and He will make every wrong right and He will bring ultimate justice to things that currently aren't experiencing justice. It's like the Holy Spirit has sealed our lives and said, you will be standing at that day. You will experience the fullness of God's plans. And he, he, he speaks about the seal. He says, and he's given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. And what Paul is saying to the Corinthians is don't just kind of believe the stuff. Don't give just a mental assent to the stuff. Experience the Holy Spirit's presence within you. As you look at the Father out there with certainty, as you look on the history of the cross with certainty, experience God's certainty here and now and every day and every week that unfolds, God has put his spirit in you, guaranteeing, kind of whispering to you, it's, it's, gonna, it's gonna come to an end. You're gonna make it. You're gonna pull through, not according to your faithfulness, but according to my faithfulness. You see, if this survivor contestant on the island had just been given a photograph of a jar of peanut butter or maybe he'd wake up in the morning and think really deeply about a jar of peanut butter and think about how, what amazing strength that would bring to his life. That would be a very little benefit. But being able to walk down a beach and pick up a jar and get this incredible dose of protein and salt and, and sugar and energy, you see, that's a very different reality. And I wanna encourage you, if you're a Christ follower, that God has this for you. He has for you an experience of certainty. And if you're able in the season, amidst the loudness of everything that's going on and all the opinions about what's coming and all uh, the controversy about how we should be responding exactly in this moment and all of the social media pressure, if you can kind of get all that stuff to just go silent for a moment, and you can embrace this still small voice, this, this Holy Spirit power that lives in your heart, I'm confident that you can actually experience, you can know for yourself the incredible certainty that God deposits within us as a guarantee that this day will connect to that glorious day. I'm wanting to come in for a close and in a couple of moments, we're gonna be taking uh, communion together. And so if you're needing to quickly go and grab elements, do feel free to do that. But I love the way Paul closes off this passage. In verse 24, as he's spoken to them, he says, not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy, for you stand firm in your faith. I love that, that term. He says, we work with you. He's saying to the Corinthian church, I know there's been some conflict. I know there's been some difficulty, but, but I'd love it if you could see us as Christian brothers and sisters side by side, we're, we're all working towards the same thing in a world of yeses and nos and uncertainty and randomness seemingly. Um, if we can stand shoulder to shoulder and we can look up at, with certainty at the yeses that ultimately matter, I think some of these will become very secondary in our lives. As I read that phrase, we work together with you for your joy. I'm freshly reminded that certainty is a community project. You see, Paul doesn't say, go and think about this, just go and listen to my message, download my podcast and convince your own soul of this. He says, I want you to think about us side by side, working together. And my experience of God's church, one of the things I, I've loved about God's church 
is that I've been able to see many people around me face many yeses and many noes. I've celebrated such highs with people as things that they've hoped and dreamed for have come through. And I've mourned and I've prayed and I've persisted with people as, as things that they thought were yes have become no. But incredible courage has come to my soul as I've watched so many of those people in the yeses and in the noes submit their lives and remind each other, yes, we live in this realm, we live in these realities, but there are some greater realities at play. It's why I love lifting my voice in worship. It's when I get to abandon all the yeses and noes for a moment and focus on the ultimate yes. I get to allow my heart to speak that amen. Yes, God, all those promises you made. Yes, God, the faithfulness of your character. Let it be so. Let that be the reality that speaks most loudly over my life. I wanna encourage you in this season. I know community is challenging. But I wanna encourage you to do what it is you can. If you're needing to figure out a technology uh, platform or get some appointments in your diary, even if they're virtual appointments or pick up the phone or drop a voice note, I think there's much that God would encourage us with that, that we could work together for joy as we look up at Him together. To those of you that are figuring stuff out, if you've had to figure out what Zoom is and how, how the password works and how you get your webcam and your audio turned on at the same time, man, you're in good company. There are a whole lot of us basically just going, hey, we're going to do what it takes to dial into this season as much as we possibly can together and with each other. I want to move us uh, into a moment of breaking bread together and drinking of the wine together. And uh, I'm going to grab the elements. And I'm going to encourage you just to engage in this moment along with me, um, even though it's on the other side of a screen. You see, on the, the night that Jesus was betrayed, he, he took these elements off the table from the meal and he said to his followers, this is my body broken for you. And this is my blood that will be poured out for you for a new and better covenant. And before we take communion, I want us to just think about this idea of certainty as we take this meal together today. As Jesus says those words, in essence, he's saying to his disciples, I wanna give you certainty. This is the last time I'm gonna be able to act before I go to the cross. And I don't just wanna leave you with ideas, I don't just wanna leave you with philosophy. I don't just uh, wanna leave you with a moral way to live your life or a recipe to live out Christian success. I wanna leave you with the substance of my own body. I, I want you to have certainty in the reality of my body, the body of God come to earth from heaven. I want you to know my presence among you. And so this is my body and this is my blood. And Jesus, even as he's crucified and he goes into the tomb, he doesn't just evaporate off into heaven from then and, and leave the disciples having to, to wonder what exactly happened and where exactly Jesus is. He, he is resurrected from the dead and he walks among them. The substance of resurrection walks among them. He's able to say to a doubting, cynical, fearful disciple, I want you to touch the substance of my sacrifice for you. I want you to, to, to feel the reality of what I've done on the cross. I want you to know with certainty, not just hope in some idea. And then he does a beautiful thing. 
He says, this isn't, for, uh, this isn't only for you 11 men. This is for thousands of years of people who will come. Thousands of years, billions of people who will come to know the certainty of what I did for them on the cross. I want them to hold in their hands the substance of my commitment towards them. I want them uh, to be able to feel the elements of my body and my blood. And I want them to know that there was God come as man who died on a cross, who gave up of himself. And so as we take communion together this morning, I'd love us to just enjoy the certainty of Jesus come as God, offering up his body for us. Let me pray a short prayer and then we'll take these elements together too. Jesus, thank you so much that you're not a God who sat off in heaven and sent us some ideas uh, just through prophets or through writings, but you're the substance of our faith. We hold in our hands in this moment 2,000 years of, of memory and, and doing this in remembrance of your sacrifice. We thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. We remind ourselves that we can have incredible certainty, not of exactly how the details of this week or month will unfold, but we can have certainty about our right standing with you, about your incredible love and care and affection over our lives. And so thank you for your body given up for us on the cross. We take of that now together in your name, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for your blood that uh, you poured out the sacrifice that you made to assure us, to bring us into intimacy, to bring us into certainty and to bring us into this new and better covenant, this covenant of grace and forgiveness and your perfection in the place of our imperfection. We drink gratefully of your blood in this moment. We're gonna take a moment now just to um, to lift our eyes again above the yeses and nos of the reality of our lives. We're gonna look up at this ultimate yes, the yes of Jesus Christ in heaven as we worship Him as the risen King, seated with the Father, interceding on our behalves uh, in this in the season which can feel so uncertain. We, we're incredibly grateful for the certainty He brings to our lives, and uh, let's sing together now. Lift our voices to Him.